Walter Sports Bar is excited to welcome Nationals fans back to the ballpark this spring. Located directly across the street from Nationals Park, Walters is the preeminent sports bar in Navy Yard, boasting over 35 televisions, both indoors and out. Walters is a great location to catch the Nats all season long. Walters encourages all fans to check out coronavirus.dc.gov to get up-to-date information on current dining restrictions Go Nats. It was great to see Nats fans out at the ballpark over Tuesday and Wednesday, and we hope to see you soon at Walter Sports Bar. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The pitch swung on, belted to left center field. Stevenson on the run. This one way back, and it is off the wall and in play. Acuna has scored. Freeman around third. He's coming in to score. And it is second with a booming two-run double is Travis Darno. Darno drives in his second and third runs of the year, and he has given Atlanta the lead here at the top of the second inning. The Braves have plated five runs here in the top of the second inning. It's now Atlanta six and Washington four. And that's going to be it for Fetty with Davey Martinez on his way to the mound. And welcome to Nats Chat for Thursday, April 8th, 2021, Part 1, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi Podcast. When we told you about this podcast and we would be giving you post-game pods for every Nationals game, we meant that literally after every Nationals game. So yes, there were two games on Wednesday. But yes, we are doing two separate post-game podcasts for that doubleheader. So you have this installment, part one, for this Thursday to talk about game one. And then we'll be doing part two for game two. Mark, uh, two seven-inning ball games at Nationals Park on Wednesday. They both end up being losses. I don't know that we've ever talked about this, though. Are you yay or nay on the seven-inning games for the doubleheaders uh, these days in MLB? The only part of it that I like, Al, is that it makes it a shorter day for me, personally. (laughs) From a competitive standpoint, no, I don't like it at all. I mean, a seven-inning game is not a real baseball game. And not that it necessarily impacted the results today, maybe a little bit. But when you can get by with a starter who only goes, say, four innings and then just use a couple of relievers and you're you're through the game, I just don't feel like that truly is representative of who the better team was in a game and, and how to win a game. I get why they're doing it. And certainly... You know, there's already now three doubleheaders on the national schedule because they've announced two of them to make up the Mets series and then this one. So you understand why they're doing it under these circumstances. But I really hope it doesn't become a permanent thing because I don't think it's a a truly accurate reflection of uh, of who should have won a game always. 
No, it's not. And obviously, if you don't have a good bullpen, uh, you have that weakness masked to a significant extent. Of course, also, if you're the Braves and you try to do a bullpen game and Huascar Inoa pitches out of his mind, then I guess it doesn't matter if you have a great bullpen. But anyway, uh, we'll be getting to that. So let's start with game one on Wednesday. It was a Nationals loss. They know are not going to be going undefeated in 2021. A 7-6 loss to the Braves early Wednesday afternoon. And this was especially painful, Mark. You know, and, and look, you had the great 6-5 walk-off victory on Tuesday to begin the season. But here you are facing one of the Braves' best starting pitchers in Max Freed. And you get to him. You knock him out of the game. Five runs in two innings. But then just like that, the lead evaporates. Eric Fetty can't hold up his end of the bargain. Six runs, five earned in an inning and two-thirds. And ultimately, you end up losing by one. That made that one, I think, especially frustrating. I mean, they took it to Max Fried early on. First five batters reached base. By the second inning, they've scored five runs on eight hits. And, you know, there weren't really a lot of cheapies in there either. I mean, they looked good against him. And Fetty gave it all right back. And that's extremely frustrating for a guy who, for years now, we've been waiting to see, can he put it all together? Can he have some consistency? And he hasn't been able to do it. And I know the circumstances are unusual. He wasn't supposed to be starting, certainly not the second game of the season. You know, at, at best, he was going to be starting the fifth. And, and really, if everything worked out, he was going to be in the bullpen. But if your team stakes you to a lead like that, and in a game where, like we were just saying, in a seven-inning game, all they needed was four decent innings from him. That's all they needed. And he couldn't even give him that. It, it did really set them back. Why didn't Joe Ross start the game? I, I know they're starting Ross game one at the Dodgers on Friday. Why did they go with Fetty to start game two of the season? So my hunch would be a couple reasons. One, I think they may have felt like Ross gives them a better chance against the Dodgers. All these are tough teams they're playing, and they're all going to be difficult wins. But maybe Ross would give them a little better chance in L.A. than Fetty would have. He was going to have to start one of these games in all likelihood. They must know, and we can get to this eventually, they must know that they're not going to have Corbin or Lester at least by Friday. So somebody had to start that game. Somebody had to start this one. So I think that's part of it. But I think also because of what I was just saying, when you know it's a doubleheader, you don't need full length out of your starter to get through this game. Four innings would have been enough. And, you know, in theory, Joe Ross can give you five or six quality innings and use that in a nine inning game. And they decided to try to get from Fetty and didn't give it to them. It was unfortunate because, you know, that was a game that was just right there for the taking. And all of a sudden they can be up two nothing on the series with Strasburg going in the finale. It really did set a bad tone for the entire day. It was bad, and Fetty was terrible. I mean, there's another way to say this. He got rocked in game one on Wednesday afternoon. Six runs, five earned in an inning and two-thirds. Gave up six hits and three walks, two of which were intentional walks of Freddie Freeman. Had just one strikeout through just 27 of his 45 pitches for strikes. And that top of the second in which he gives up the five runs records just the two outs. I mean, that was batting practice, okay? Four straight hits to begin the inning. Lead off full count single by Austin Riley. Double by Ender Inciarte. RBI single by the brave starting pitcher, Max Freed. Then a first pitch RBI single by Ronald Acuna Jr., who just scorched the Nats throughout this series. It was really bad. And then that final hit that Fetty gives up, that two-out, two-run double to Travis Darno on a smash that goes off the left center field wall. I mean, it just was, you know, you mentioned like it wasn't cheapy hits that the Nats got off Reed. These largely weren't cheapy hits that the Braves got off Fetty. And I know it's one game, and I know we always say like we don't want to overreact, but of course, it isn't just one game with Fetty. 
2014 number 18 overall pick. If the Nats have done a better job drafting and developing pitchers, he's probably not even still in the mix to be starting games for the Nationals. He's still getting these opportunities. And, you know, I know they've kind of jerked him around a little bit between reliever and starter. But man, like, can you do better than six runs, five earned in an inning and two thirds in the second game of the season? Can you give us more than that? He couldn't do that on Wednesday. No, he couldn't. Now, you mentioned that there weren't a lot of cheapies in there, and and I agree, but there was one play. I believe it was the Inciarte double on a ball that Robles had a chance for at the wall in center field. And it was not a routine play. He had a long way to go. He kind of crashed into the fence. But it's a play that if, if Victor Robles is going to be the elite center fielder that they believe he can be and that he has been before, prior to 2020, it's a play that they probably need him to make. And that changed the complexion of the entire inning. Again, the ball was scorched. This is not trying to absolve Fetty at all. But sometimes you do need your defense to pick you up and bail you out when you don't have it like he did. And I did think that was one play that could have been made. You don't expect it, but for a player the caliber of Robles, it's a play you want to see him make more often than not. No, I think that's fair. If Robles is going to be the elite center fielder, we want him to be the guy he was in 2019. That's a catch he can make, and he didn't make it there. What would you think, by the way, of Freeman being intentionally walked twice over the first two innings? How often does that happen? A guy gets intentionally walked, never mind twice in a ball game, but twice over the first two innings of a ball game. Yeah, I mean, the first inning intentional walk, and this wasn't like, uh, oh, it's uh, second and third two outs situation. No, it was man on third, one out. And that's it. So clearly they have great respect for Freddie Freeman, as they should. He's the reigning MVP, and he owns a career 873 batting average against the Nationals, I'm pretty sure. The problem is, I mean, I guess it kind of worked in the first inning. The problem is, though, that lineup is very good. There's a lot of guys behind Freddie who can do damage. And so you're really risking it by just adding base runners that aren't guaranteed. And the one thing about the intentional walk, and I was talking about it with somebody when Soto was up later on, is as dangerous as these hitters are, even if you just throw them a 3-0 pitch down the middle, even the very best hitters in the big leagues are going to make an out more than they get a hit. That's the averages of it. You know, like a 400 batting average is only four out of 10 times. And maybe even on a 3-0 pitch, okay, it goes up because you're looking for a fastball, but it's not guaranteed. Sometimes you're going to get them to pop up or something like that. So, There are times that I do wonder if they get a little too aggressive with the intentional walks and like, take your chances. Yeah, he may hit the ball hard, but he may hit it right at somebody. And more often than not, he's going to make an out. So I I thought that was maybe a bit much. But if there's anybody who, who has earned it, certainly in the Braves lineup, it's Freddie Freeman. Hey, are you interested in buying or selling a home? Support for Nats Chat comes to us from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate by focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest. Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experiences. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To find out more, follow Rachel Levy on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey everyone, Tim Showers here, producer for the Nats Chat Podcast, also the lefty out of the bullpen. I'm so excited that baseball is back. Of course I am. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never been on baseball before, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets 
for an even bigger win all season long. I just opened my account. So excited to get going on it. Got hockey, baseball, golf this weekend. Just want to say Jordan Spieth is my pick to win his second green jacket. So I'll be paying attention to that down in Augusta. There is a reason. FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay, and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with the promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawal site credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three balls, two strikes, the left-hander to the plate. Struck him out swinging. He does it again. Sam Clay in his Major League debut strikes out Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zuna. After being behind 3-0 on the count both times. You tell us what you think at Nats underscore chat on Twitter. You can always email us at the Nats Chat Podcast. The email address is NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. So Fetty was a major negative in game one of the doubleheader. There were, though, positives, including the bullpen. That Nationals bullpen did a great job of picking things up. In that 7-6 loss in Game 1 on Wednesday afternoon, five Nationals relievers ultimately combined to give up one run in five and a third innings, nine strikeouts versus three hits and no walks. Wander Suero was the guy who gave up the run that coming in the top of the seventh, back-to-back singles to begin the inning, and then a run-scoring wild pitch, and then he actually threw another wild pitch. But how about what was done in between the Fetty and Suero appearances? Kyle McGowan, Sam Clay making his Major League debut, Kyle Finnegan, and Luis Avilan combined for four and a third scoreless innings, seven strikeouts versus one hit and no walks. And Mark Clay in his major league debut, striking out Freeman and Marcelo Zuna in what ends up being a scoreless fourth. And Clay doing this despite Freeman and Ozuna each getting ahead of the count 3-0. That was incredible to see. What a job by Sam Clay in that spot. 
You're a college basketball fan. You like Bill Raftery, right? What would be his description of what Clay did to get those two batters out in that situation? Onions. <laughs> that was big time. Now, he was helped out a little bit by the strike zone, which the Braves were not a big fan of, but he showed some uh, gumption to stare down those guys and get them out. And and what a, a just a boost of confidence for a guy who I know not a lot of fans know anything about, but he is a similar situation to Kyle Finnegan, who I'm going to want to talk about next, in that he spent a long time in the minor leagues with the Twins, was never called up. Because of that, he became a free agent. Typically, these are players who sign minor league contracts. They come to spring training. They hope to make an impression and maybe make the team. And the Nationals actually gave him a major league contract, just like they did with Finnegan a year ago. That doesn't mean that, that he was guaranteed to make the roster coming out of spring training because he has options. But they felt strongly enough about him to offer him that and maybe entice him from signing somewhere else. And you could see why. That slider was, was legit. He was throwing today. He throws a sinker also. The guy does not give up home runs. Everything is on the ground. And, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. But I think ultimately they envision this as someone who you can bring in with runners on base and maybe get a ground ball and get out of a jam, the kind of fireman role. This was a real good start for him, obviously. And then Finnegan, another one who he's got great stuff. And we saw last year glimpses of what he can be. And he came out firing today and struck out the side in the sixth, not as imposing of hitters, Darno, Swanson, and Riley, but those are professional everyday players for the Braves. And he struck them out on fastballs 96, 97, 98. That's really encouraging. And given the other losses they've had in the bullpen, he is someone that I think they are envisioning taking on a more substantial role and someone who over time could earn you know, one of the primary setup roles, let's say, if he proves that he, he has it. I mean, he's got the stuff and he's starting to gain experience and that's going to do a lot for him. No doubt. That fifth inning appearance for Finnegan was great. And one thing with this Nationals bullpen and who the heck knows, I mean, every year the Nats bullpen is a problem, no doubt. Like we have no idea what it's going to be this year. But one thing I do find encouraging is you have younger guys here. And so it's not just like a bunch of retreads who you have is making up your mix. You have, you know, people like Finnegan and Clay and Tanner Rainey, although, you know, it was not a banner uh, Wednesday for Tanner Rainey, but you can kind of see in your mind, you can concoct in your Nationals brain, hey, you know what, maybe these guys are growing and getting better, and maybe you do have some foundational pieces here for a bullpen that can be halfway decent. And, you know, to whatever extent you can have relievers be good year in and year out, and so many of them aren't, but maybe you do have a nucleus here for something like that. I mean, it's been so long, Mark. Since the Nats have had over multiple seasons a like core of relief pitchers who you felt like, okay, well, at least they have those guys in the bullpen. And I'm not saying these guys are that, but maybe they possibly could be. You know, we perhaps saw flashes of that in game one on Wednesday. Yeah, I agree. And the best bullpens are the ones that come from within the system. I mean, obviously you're gonna go sign a free agent here or there or make a trade here or there, but the good ones, you're able to develop your own arms who end up becoming long-term pieces for you because you have them under control for a long time. They're affordable. As we've talked about, relievers can be so volatile, and so it's always dangerous to spend big money or and give multiple years to veteran relievers because you just don't know if they're going to live up to it. And an important thing that Mike Rizzo felt like he needed to do, and, and, and I, he deserves credit for this, they knew they needed more, as he would describe them, as optionable parts. Okay, They've found themselves over the years sometimes in a tough spot where They've got seven relievers in their bullpen, and none of them can be sent to the minors without going through waivers first. And so if you have a day where you burn up a lot of guys because a starter leaves early or you have double headers and, and you need a fresh arm the next day, 
and they can't make a move because they don't have anybody who has options left to send them down. They have that now. A bunch of these guys have that ability. And so even if somebody pitches well, they can maybe send them to AAA someday, call up somebody else who, who has a fresh arm, and then you know 10 days, two weeks later, bring the guy back. You need more than seven over a season, of course. You need a lot of them. And so I think that was a point of emphasis this winter. You know, We'll see how that plays out, but that could benefit them. So Fetty, bad, bullpen, good, and the Nats lineup quite good in game one of the doubleheader sweep to the Atlanta Braves. And whereas in game one of the series, it really was the bottom half of the Nationals lineup that got the job done. I know Juan Soto had the walk-off hit, but you know the likes of Hernan Perez and Andrew Stevenson really coming through big time, Jonathan Lucroy in game one of the series. It was the big boys, to whatever extent the Nats have big boys in this depleted state with the COVID-19 protocols, who delivered in that 7-6 loss to the Braves in game one of the doubleheader on Wednesday afternoon. Victor Robles, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Ryan Zimmerman, Starling Castro, your one through five batters, all delivering to varying extents. Robles getting on base a couple of times. Trey Turner with another homer, a two-run shot off Reed on a missile to left field. And that Nats four-run first also had a one-out double in the Nats one-run second inning in an at-bat in which he was down in the count at 1.02. Soto drew three walks in the game. Zimmerman had a couple of hits, including a double. Castro had three hits and three RBI. What stood out to you watching the Nats bats, especially early in that game? I mean, they ravaged Freed, which is, of course, part of the pain of what ended up happening with Fetty. Yeah, two things that stood out to me. Number one, we're seeing why they wanted Robles to lead off and Turner to hit behind him, because if Robles gets on base, Turner can drive in multiple runs. They're making the most of what they have from him. He's hit two homers now in two games to start the season. And both of them were two-run homers because Robles was on base. That's what they'd want. That's what they need. Victor has looked the part so far, drawing walks, getting on base, having good quality at bats and getting hits as well. So that's number one. Number two is a guy that we just don't talk about that much. And I feel like maybe we need to talk about him more. And that's Starlin Castro, who we sort of forgot was not a part of the team last year because he got hurt very early. He had three RBI hits, like you said. And I I don't love the term, but I think it does apply to him. This is a professional hitter. This is the guy who some players, they want to be more selective at the plate. They don't want him to chase pitches out of the zone. No, Starling Castro, they just want him to swing because his bat to ball skills are excellent. He can take a pitch anywhere inside or outside the zone and hit it where they ain't. And that's a valuable skill to have. And he's done it for a long time. He is someone who ultimately, I think, is going to make a big difference. When you're batting behind all those other big names, as he's going to be, you're going to come up with runners on base a lot. And he is someone that I think they will trust in those situations. Like you said, three RBI in this game and just good quality at bats. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that that from him. And as much as we talk about the bigger name acquisitions like Bell and Schwarber and even the return of Zimmerman, here's a guy who essentially is another addition too, because he barely played last year. And he could be just as important as some of those others. Yeah, just 16 games for Castro in 2020 due to the broken right wrist. Had an interesting 2019 with the Marlins where he was really bad early in the season through June. He was really struggling, but over the rest of the year, he hit well. And so you weren't quite sure, right? Like, which Castro are you getting here with the Nats? First half of 2019, second half of 2019, that really couldn't be put to the test in 2020, but he can play. Like, we've seen him have success, and we know. That third base job, that is his. Like the Nats need him to be the everyday third baseman. And, um, you know, defensively, obviously needs to be good, but offensively as well, if he's going to end up being, you know, your number five batter. And he definitely had a very good game 
in game one of the doubleheader on Wednesday. So that is part one of our podcast uh, double dip here of the Nationals doubleheader with the Braves on Wednesday. We will say goodbye for now on this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Uh, Nationals highlights, by the way, which we'll be hearing on the Nats Chat Podcast, brought to us by the Nationals flagship station, 106.7 The Fan. So that will do it for us for now. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast.